1: For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/starttalk. That's fifty percent off, unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/starttalk today.
2: Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. And for this edition, it's Cosmic Queries, which we are titling. The cicadas are coming, attack of the cicadas. I don't know what we're going to title it, but it's about cicadas. Nagin, is that you laughing? My co-host, Nagin Farsad. Welcome back to Star Talk. Nagin.
3: Hi, Neil. So great to be here.
2: Excellent. You're a host of the podcast, Fake the Nation, which I was a guest on that one time. I so enjoyed that. And you haven't invited me back ever since. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Apparently, you didn't, all right? Just so you know. You wrote a book that has my favorite title of any book ever. It's called How to Make White People Laugh. That's just That's just out of control, girl. What do you what are you? So this is advice for people of color to make white people. Is that what that is?
3: Um, it turns out, Neil, throughout writing the book, I found out that what makes white people laugh is what makes everybody laugh.
2: Oh, okay. oh there it is. It has a kumbaya message to it. Okay. It doesn't land but on. A
3: lot of, <laughs> but there's a lot of, it's kumbaya with a lot of fart jokes. Let's, okay. Let's put it
1: that All
2: way. right.
4: All
2: right. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'm pretty sure you don't have expertise in this, and I definitely don't. Um, and just insects in general are such a fascinating uh, part of the tree of life. And I have a new colleague at the American Museum of Natural History, been there just barely a year, and it's Dr. Jessica Ware. Jessica, welcome to Star Talk.
5: Thanks for having me on the show.
2: You're an evolutionary biologist, so that's sort of your base uh, landscape on which you then have become an entomologist. So why don't we just call you a bugologist? What's, what's, what, what is the Latin root there that is saying that you study bugs?
5: <laughs> well, I've actually been called a bugologist. I've been called an, an insectologist before. But um, entomologist is, you know, the study of all insects, Not all insects are bugs. All bugs are insects, but not all insects are bugs. It's one of those things. So, you know, Class Insecta has many orders, and only one of the orders... Wait, wait,
2: wait, excuse me. If it bugs me, I'm calling it a bug, okay? (laughs) Don't tell me that something that's...
5: (laughs) Classy people. I'm not. Classy people call bugs, bugs, and insects, insects. So if you want to impress people in your life, in your personal life, oh. then you say, oh, oh well, actually, is a bug or an insect? And people will think that you're very classy because you know the distinction <laughs> between Hanifra and the other orders. I promise you, it's a hit. It is a probable hit at a party.
2: All right, oh, all
3: right. Oh, Jessica, you live in such a weird world. If that's the distinction between people thinking you are classy <laughs> or not.
2: <laughs> no, she runs around saying, there are two kinds of people in the world. <laughs> 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 so you are a tenured curator of invertebrate zoology at the American Museum of Natural History right here in New York City. So you're a fellow scientist of mine is delighted to have you in the house. Um, now, your research, of course, it focuses on insects. You have a specialty in dragonflies, ooh. You know, nobody doesn't love just looking at a dragonfly. We'll get to cicadas in a moment, but just, did you grow up thinking, I wanna study dragonflies? Is that how that happened?
5: Uh, Well, No, definitely not. I didn't know that people did that for a job. In fact, I didn't know that entomology was a job, really. Uh, I thought maybe I would go and work at a bank or something like that when I got uh, a job and my (laughs) Nana would say, what do you want to be?" And i say, a cab driver, because you get to meet people. Um, And she was mortified. Uh, But no, I went to university for marine biology. um, And then when I started taking invertebrate zoology classes, it turns out almost all of the class is insects, because almost all life on earth are insects. Uh, And so then that's when I got kind of turned on to entomology um, and then I was really lucky that I got to work on the coolest of all of the insects, which are the dragonflies
2: It is definitely the cool it's, it's I, let me not say it's cool let me just say it's badass <laughs> and, and it knows it right there it is it's got those wings and it's got that needle shape and it flies and then it just stops and let me look around for a minute and then it just keeps hitting and, and it's like what are you thinking dude <laughs> so
5: it, they're like lions. <laughs> Like lions in the sky, really. I mean, they're like voracious predators. They can do intercept, you know, predation where they can, you know, go to where their prey is going to be in 10 seconds rather than like a dummy going where the prey is right now. I mean, like a lion would do. And I mean, that's that's pretty impressive.
2: Oh, okay. So uh, if you come back, can we do a whole show on just dragonflies? Because I've seen fossil remains of dragonflies that look like birds. And I want to get to the bottom of that. Why did they get little? How did they get big in the first place? So if you come back for that, because I, I, I really want to get straight to the cicadas. All right. Let's go straight to the cicadas. You're our insect person in the house. So what's about to happen? Not to the world, perhaps, but just into the, the Northeast United States. In this year 2021. Don't we have enough problems, Jessica?
5: <laughs> well, I mean, this is the solution. This is not the problem. This is the solution to having a bad year, is that there's these periodical cicadas that are coming out to bring us some enthusiasm, to so bring us some pep to our day. We have these
2: Says brief- the bug person.
5: Says, right.
2: the bug- <laughs> when I says, and- says the bug person, this is be a nice time for for the bug people and the cicadas. Okay, just let's. It's a
5: gift. (laughs) gift. We we had a really bad year in 2020. The gift that we get, the response, the positive pep for 2021 is that we have this brood, Brood 10, uh, which is comprised of three different species of cicadas that are going to emerge. And we'll get to hear them and see them. We'll get to eat them if we want to. I mean, this year is going to be pretty rad just because of the fact that we have these periodical cicadas that are going to be emerging. Um, It's kind of remarkable.
3: I was going to say, if this is a gift, I I really don't want to know what you get people for Christmas. <laughs> Just like, go ahead and take me off the list.
2: <laughs> when I think of periodicals, I think of something that's daily or weekly or monthly or even annually. But such is not the case with these cicadas. So what's going on there? How long, what do you mean by periodic when you use that word with them? So
5: these periodical cicadas are called that because they actually... Um, have a juvenile stage and an adult stage and the juvenile stage lives underground for either 13 years or 17 years. And they emerge as adults periodically every 17 years or every 13 years, like a pretty bad newspaper subscription. If it was every 17 years, I would argue. Yes,
2: correct. Mm -hmm. Unless it's reporting on continental drift, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs)
3: that was a solid joke neil thank you for laughing at that one (laughs) again i enjoyed it so
5: that was good (laughs)
2: um so uh so which species is coming out this season is it the 13 year or the 17 year
5: we have 17 year uh cicadas that are coming out um and there's three different species uh in this in this one genus uh that are going to be coming out that, that makes up this brood, brood 10, because the periodical cicadas are, are labeled different broods, but they were just named by these, you know, these guys in the 1800s that were kind of documenting what was going on. Um, and they gave Roman numerals to the different kind of emergences of these, you know, cicadas. And so brood 10 kind of is, you know, an arbitrary name in some ways. Uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that nine is next door or 11 is next door.
2: Wait, wait, so, this brood is not the, the, the cycling of them. It's not like the last time they came out, it was brood nine.
5: No, yeah. So, the numbers um, oh, okay. don't necessarily make immediate sense um, when you look at the years when they okay. came out and where they came out.
2: Um, <laughs> you like that? I love that, Nikki. When a scientist says, this won't make immediate sense to you. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's very honest. I love that. <laughs>
3: it's there yeah, at the brood 10 for a is while. on a 17 year cycle. What, what is that? How is that not reasonable?
2: <laughs> it complete sense um, yeah. and so why aren't there also uh predators of these of these cicadas that would come out in that 17-year cycle and eat them they, they're very high in protein i understand
5: well i mean there are predators that eat them the strategy we think is that they're doing kind of like a satiation strategy where they come out in this giant you know uh emergence and birds and frogs and your dogs and your cats and humans and, you know, lots of things are going to be feasting on them. And hopefully everybody around you gets eaten and you don't, and you can find a mate, reproduce and then die. Uh, that's kind of the satiation strategy uh, that we think natural selection has acted on, you know, over over
2: millions of years. Yeah, but, but Jessica, if that's the best you can hope for, I just hope I'm not eaten. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> what kind of a life is that? <laughs>
5: Well, I mean, I think that's probably what most insects are thinking. Uh, Not that they actually think. um, But if I was to anthropomorphize an insect, I would imagine, you know, they have these jobs to do as an adult, right? They have to find a mate, they have to disperse, uh, they have to lay their eggs, and then they die. And if a bird or you know a fish or a frog uh, jumps up and catches you, uh, your your net fitness is zero. If you're dead,
2: this is isn't survival of the fittest. That's what you mean. The net fitness. fitness fitness Yeah. Now, now you describe these as a as a uh, as a genus. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So a genus. um, uh, Just remind me. So we are Homo sapiens. So for us, the of those two words, the Homo is the genus, and the sapiens is the species. So in this genus of 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 cicadas, you have species beneath that, correct? In the in the taxonomy.
5: Yeah, I always remember it. King Philip came over for good sandwiches for the the classification. Kingdom. Okay, so um, kingdom phylum,
2: phylum came uh, class class over
5: uh, order, did, which is or,
2: order. Order, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> Wait, no, no. Why did I say um, King Philip came to order? Sandwiches, and then use the same word. (laughs) Someone clever should get in there and fix that. Okay, so kingdom (laughs) asylum.
4: Cicada
2: cicada, cicada (laughs) sandwiches.
3: This is so weird. I'm watching two of the smartest people in the world figure out this order right now.
2: (laughs) Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. So King King Philip came over to eat sandwiches. Did I leave? Or family.
5: Um, Family is four. King
2: Philip came over. Or or
5: Family. Uh, good. Genus. Sandwiches. Species.
2: Species. So kingdom, phylum, class, order, genus, species.
5: Yeah. those are all good Scrabble words, I would argue. Wow. Okay. All right. Good.
2: <laughs> On it. Totally. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'll be an entomologist yet, okay? (laughs) And I'll start liking them. So, so we've got. I I uh... was
3: fitzing through that for the record.
2: (laughs) Okay. So, uh, (laughs) Nagin, we've got uh, Cosmic Queries from our Patreon members. So what, yes. uh, what do you have? I don't, I don't want to spoil their fun.
3: Let's start with Violetta. This is Violetta, 12 and a half year old astrophysicid and mega star talk and mega Nagin fan. I like to start off the show with a compliment to me. Violetta's question is, how are cicadas such amazing timekeepers? What kind of hocus pocus is this? And what can it teach us about the concept of time itself and how we measure and study time? Yeah, ourselves? Jessica, it's
2: sorcery, clearly. They're, they're like Um, witches and warlocks for for cicadas. What's going on down there?
5: That's a very good question, Violetta. So kudos for that. Um, Definitely, I think that, I mean, the timing of when they emerge, they're using temperature as a cue. So when the ground reaches 64 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, then they know that it's time to emerge. Uh, But they have these kind of regimented moltings. So there are two types of insects, Violetta. There's insects that have complete metamorphosis, which are things like, you know, an egg, that becomes a caterpillar, then there's a pupa, and then there's the butterfly. That butterfly has gone undergone a complete and total uh, internal reorganization before emerging as a butterfly. Those insects are called holometabola, um, and they're the insects that have complete metamorphosis. The other insects are the non-holometabolous insects. These are insects that have incomplete metamorphosis, of which cicadas are one. So they instead have juveniles that usually look a lot like the adults. They don't look like the adults in cicadas but usually they look very similar to the adults grasshopper this is a small grasshopper they get slightly larger as it goes through these molts molts is a molting is a period where they actually shed their skin um, and then go to a large what's called a larger instar which are the stages of development so cicadas when they're underground the juveniles they actually you know when the egg hatches the first instar actually drops down into the soil and kind of nestles down into their little pocket where they're going to start feeding on the plant roots but then every certain amount of time then they go through a molt and then there's another long period of time and then they go through a molt. and these are kind of like jumping ahead in their growth stages and so the timing of those instars are kind of really precise uh, and they're based on like there's a hormonal cascade that kind of uh, controls the timing of those those instars, and then after the last one, when the temperature reaches sixty four, it's go time, and then they go crawl time. up, and Ooh. then it's go time, and then it's you know their wings. Uh, and the adult winged uh, cicada is what you see.
2: Negan, look look at her smiling as she describes the invasion. <laughs>
4: The, yeah, she's totally
2: getting into this. Oh my God. This is creepy. <laughs> well, so if the ground has to be 65 degrees, that means we will see the cicada invasion as they rise up and become our overlords. This will happen at southern latitudes sooner than in northern latitudes, we have to presume here. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So at 64 de- 64 degrees is a pretty, you know, um magic number. And some individuals, you know, it's the timing is pretty great right? But when you're talking about 17 years, you know, some might come out a couple of days early, some might come out a couple of days late, because there's going to be millions of them emerging. So we got to cut them some slack a little bit with their clock.
2: No, I guess what I'm asking, so if we're going to see this invasion in the Northeast United States, as I understand it, they'll show up in like Virginia first. And then oh, because yeah. the, the, the the more southerly latitudes will reach those temperatures before Maine will or before New Hampshire will, isn't that correct? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, Nagin, give me oh. another question.
3: Um. And also just, are they friendly? Like, is this going to be a good hang? Or like, I grew up in the desert, so we didn't have this. Like, what happens? Like, is it going to be cute and fun? Are we going out to brunch with the cicadas?
5: Or is it just like awful? I don't know. Uh. Yeah, I definitely would say it's a good hang. I mean, you want a concert, you got it. Because they're going to be singing and they're going to be making noise. Um, you want to eat brunch? They're brunch, right? I mean, they they are <laughs> going to be on the menu. So uh, they're friendly in that they are plant feeders. They feed on, on xylem when they're when they're juveniles, but as adults, but xylem really would be like
2: what? Xylem is what?
5: Like the, the the juices or the plant juices inside of the the tree.
2: Okay, interesting. That's, you guys got a word for that. That's cool. Very
5: yeah, cool. the xylem. It's it's a, it's an X word, which is another good scramble. Love yeah, X words. Yeah, yeah. Um, we will but, not I mean, play
2: Scrabble with you. We would just establish that fact.
5: Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking of a big game, but I'm actually terrible at Scrabble. But it's enthusiasm that counts, I think, mm-hmm. rather than, than success. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so they, they emerge. Really, their goal is to find a mate, to lay those eggs, and then they die. They're here for a good time, not a long time, right? So they're just going to do their business, and then they did. And we just gotta wait for the eggs to hatch. Sweep mm-hmm. them
2: out, man. Nagin, we we uh, we gotta go to the next segment. Um, so, uh, but you have you you've got more questions lined up? We're gonna find out. Oh my out
3: god, so many questions.
2: Uh, how, yeah, we got so many. Uh, we're gonna find out uh, what kind of damage the cicadas will actually do to us. Will they um, destroy civilization as we know it? And we'll not give you the answer to that until we return. Not <laughs> star talk, cosmic <laughs> query. <laughs>
1: That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true.
0: Hey, I'm Roy Hill Percival, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Bringing the universe down to Earth, this is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson.
2: We're back, Star Talk Cosmic Queries attack of the cicadas. <laughs> I've got one of the world's experts on insects and who's all-knowing about cicadas here, a, a friend and colleague of mine from the American Museum of Natural History, Dr. Jessica Ware. Jessica, welcome to Star Talk. And of course, uh, Nagin Farsad. Um, it's always great having you here as my co-host. And you've got questions for Jessica. Bring them on.
3: Yes. Okay, so Woody asks, what are the positive consequences of a locust plague? Feeding the birds is one thing, but is it an essential part of the ecosystem? How do you think the changing climate will affect insect plagues in the near and far future?
2: Wow. And are you even calling this a plague, Jessica? I mean, it sounds very biblical, you know? The frogs, the locusts, the cicadas. So uh, you, you see no downside to this. It seems like because you spent this entire interview smiling ear to ear.
5: I wouldn't call it a plague. I mean, the the beauty of it, yes, they're great bird food, but they're food for lots of different things, lots of mammals and other other organisms. And then I've talked, I've said many times, they die, right? And as they die, all of the, they decompose, and all that nutrition goes into the soil. The very trees they were sucking on, you know, sometimes uh, for that seventeen year period. So you know, nutrition. Uh, for the for the trees uh, and for the the kind of soil community, um, as well as food for for animals. I mean, it, that seems like a, a pretty good win. I mentioned I like the song. The songs, it's the music for us. That's another plus. They're beautiful. They're pretty. What you like earrings? You could have earrings in spades because those uh, cicada wings make really nice earrings. Um, I, Can mean, I mean, now you're I getting creepy. Wait,
2: Jessica, stop. <laughs> Stop. No, it's Jessica. Here's your Christmas present.
4: Here's your oh, present. Here okay, okay. We're going
2: to stop. The interview's over, right?
4: <laughs>
3: Jessica, Jessica is off the rail, <laughs> ladies <laughs> and
5: gentlemen. <laughs> is what you're telling me that you don't make insect jewelry? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jessica, no, I Jessica like you, you got to get out more. Jessica, we need to do an intervention. Nagin, we'll do an intervention, all right?
3: I mean, this
5: is like the Silence of the Lambs movie poster suddenly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the entomologist in that movie seemed a bit in, intense. Uh, I might not be, you know, really increasing the rep all. of entomologists with this interview. Uh, but they are pretty. They're pretty. Come on, give right. me that.
2: Okay, so let me ask this: They don't eat our crops or anything and disrupt our food chain.
5: They do not. Um, so uh, we really don't. So that way, they're
2: watch. not locusts because locusts that eat your crops, you can justifiably call that a plague, a blight on your, on your, mm-hmm. on your own ecosystem. Okay, so they're harmless, is what you're saying.
5: They're harmless. And I mean, they've been doing this for a week, uh, from what researchers seem to estimate around 500,000 years. So they've been doing this long before we were wow. here. Um, wow. And they'll continue probably to do this. Chris Simon at the University of Connecticut has done a lot of work on, on this particular group of cicadas. And I mean, Maybe for around four million years or so, there have been cicadas because there are annual cicadas that come out every year. But then, around five hundred thousand years ago, there was a switch to being having this periodical uh, genera, you know, genus and, and species. Um, and then, like the First Nations native people that lived uh, in this part of New Jersey, the Lenape, they had a separate word for the annual cicadas and for the periodical cicadas, and they were known to eat uh, cicadas. It's been going on for a long time. Um, and we're just lucky enough that we get to still keep witnessing it. So with climate change, it's possible that the timing of their emergence might might change. Um, but hopefully this kind of neat phenomenon doesn't change.
2: Got it. And if climate change with things get warmer, it'll reach sixty five degrees earlier in the year. That could that's another thing that could fool birds or whoever who's expecting them in, on May 3rd, you know, <laughs> whatever is their, their their clock time that they're working on. Uh, uh, Nagin, keep it coming.
3: Okay, so Cameron Bishop asks, how do they sustain themselves during that 17-year period where they're underground, and what impact can we expect them to have on the local ecology and wildlife?
5: The order Hemiptera, to which they belong, one um, of the... What's the name of that order again? Say that order. Just say that again. Hemiptera. Hemiptera. Half wing. It stands for half wing, I guess, because they have uh, an interesting um, aspect to their wing morphology. But anyways, they all have these uh, sucking mouth parts. uh, And cicadas use those sucking mouth parts to kind of tap into the roots of trees. And then they can suck up this xylem, this tree uh, fluid. Um, And so that's that's how they're they're sustaining themselves for those 17 years is just kind of drinking. Imagine what you will for these poor cicadas in their little excavation, drinking lots and lots of liquid. What comes in must come out. And so they actually, uh, you know, it's a very sweet, sticky substance uh, that then they have to treat into their little excavation. Uh, and they sit there bathed in their own kind of liquid gory poop. Um, that's their life for 17 <laughs> years. That's what they do. That's who they be. And
2: let's make jewelry out of that. Yes, of course. Okay.
5: Juveniles.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> juvenile. <laughs> Just no, oh adult. sorry. Just the adults. Okay. Oh.
3: By Sorry, the way, is the is the title <laughs> is the title of the episode "Liquid Sugary
5: Poop"? Maybe <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> it's a good band name. If there's
2: any punk rockers oh, out there, that for real, oh, yeah. taken yet? Liquid sugary poop. Yeah, that, I think that ship sailed with the punk rock era. I, I don't know. I don't know. So Nagin, give me some more. These are good.
3: Okay, so um, listen, Jessica, you may be feel a little defensive about this next question, but I promise you, Ashlyn just wants to get to the science of it. Her question is, what do cicadas do? To my knowledge, all animals fit into their own ecological career. Even wasps pollinate. Do cicadas have an important ecological purpose, or are they just here to fill my nights of staring at the stars with music? Oh, oh, that's lovely. Oh, it ended nicely. It started with a little bit of an, an a- of
5: accusation. With the yeah, she the bug part did. of that. I see what
2: she did there. That's really
5: really lovely. Really lovely. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like all organisms, they have this goal of growth, maintenance, reproduction, dispersal, mating, death that's what they do right their goal is to get their genes into next generation but um even wasps that pollinate it's not like they're doing it because they they want to pollinate you know they're just kind of um, going about those other goals, right? Which uh, which is growth, maintenance, reproduction. Uh, and then eventually they die. They're passing their genes on to the next generation. So cicadas, they're a food source. Um, so they're a food source to many things, including, you know, there's pathogens that eat them. There's birds that eat them. There's mammals that eat them. There's reptiles that eat them. Um, humans that eat them. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of something that they could put in towards the community. Uh, they provide nutrition in, you know, annual anything that dies can, can you know, be, decompose and, and provide nutrition. Wait, wait, Jessica, I'm
2: not buying it because there are birds that are born, live out their lives and die in between uh, cicada invasions. So they would never know the cicadas. So you're going to say it's food for animals that they get to eat once every 17 years. Well, if that's the only time I ate, I'd be dead. So, Clearly, it's extra food for them. So let me ask, is the extra food have an impact on the ecosystem?
5: Yeah, I mean, so that's a good point. So it's not that there's, you know, a bird that only eats periodical cicadas and it goes between these long stretches of not eating. Um, Certainly not. But, I mean, yeah, the extra food is a boon of energy, uh, you know, that's every 17 years. But the roots are, are staggered too, we have to remember. So, you know, there's a brood that's coming out this year, there'll be a brood that's coming out in two years, and so on. So, every few years, there's going to be these emergencies. They're not always the same size, because some broods are bigger than others.
2: And and as you said, there are some places where there are cicadas every year. I think in the Far East, for example, uh, Japan, I heard, has cicadas, and Korea, cicadas every year. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, we do, too. I mean, even here in Dirty Jersey, we've got annual cicadas that come out
2: and, and you and you are you are coming to us from New Jersey right now.
5: Yes, I am. Because
2: you were formerly on the faculty at, at Rutgers, and then we stole you from Rutgers University in New Brunswick. So um,
5: they'll get some day. some cicadas emerging for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, you know what, know? When I was a graduate student, I did my PhD at Rutgers in New Brunswick, and I had just moved here from Canada and they were talking, the, my graduate students that were in the lab were talking about these periodical cicadas that were coming out and they were going to drive over and see them in Princeton. And I had no idea what they were talking about because there's a couple that come up in Southern Ontario, but not where I lived in Canada. And I had no idea. So it's kind of blows my mind that the last time Brood 10, which is the one we're talking about, came out. I Was, was at that uh, time you know, in your life. Grad, yes. Yeah, first year grad student. And now look, so much has happened since then. My cool. goodness. Cool. We used to have MySpace accounts
3: during the last. <laughs> that's exactly. You know? It was a simpler time.
2: There was no YouTube, even, right? YouTube had been
3: invented. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what more do you have in the game? We're on Cosmic oh, right. Quarries mode here.
3: So um, this question sounds like it comes from Elon Musk, but it actually comes from Michael Borger, who asked, could cicadas be used as a viable protein source for a Martian colony, and would they taste like chicken?
2: <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs>
5: that's a good question.
2: Wait, 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 well, wait, wait. Just... We, have to, we, have to, we have to approach it gingerly. Um,
5: have you eaten
2: cicadas <laughs> before?
5: Why, yes, Neil, I have. <laughs> I'm not and, afraid and, to say... do they taste like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what do they, do they taste like? do they taste like chicken? <laughs> Sugary liquid I definitely do not think they tasted like chicken. The way I had them prepared <laughs> lovingly, you know, sautéed in a pan and really taken care of were just regular annual cicadas and they tasted very nutty and they tasted delicious. Periodical cicadas <laughs> I had, I didn't... They weren't prepared in a very glamorous yeah, way. Yeah, so it's the, the foie gras versus... In my, my mind. But this year, so help me, I am going to make a really good feast with them. They're very nutty. If you Mm. are allergic to crustaceans, um, you know, it's recommended that you should check before you start eating them just because some people who have crustacean allergies also can have allergies um, when they eat insects. But um, it's a great source of protein. So if you're going to Mars, get some insects on the menu, which is called entomophagy. That's the eating of insects. Um, And it's a really
2: good... Entomophagy
5: Entomophagy. Entomophagy.
2: Entomophagy. That's just I eat insects. That's all that means. Is that right? Yeah,
5: I don't know that I would make cicadas as my main food source. Probably, if I was trying to grow things quickly, I would grow mealworms or beetle meal larvae. Something that you could like, kind of grow very quickly and have a, a lot of food for your Martian colonists.
2: Wow,
5: oh. recipes available.
2: If, it seems to me if we have the technology to send humans to Mars to colonize it, then we could send regular food. I'm thinking. I'm just thinking. <laughs> How do you have this whole modern spaceship? Oh, eat your cicadas. I'm thinking, no, no, no. If you can do this, put give me, give me the ribeye, give me the, give me the, the lasagna, give me whatever. So that's how I'm thinking. I, I don't know.
5: Well, okay, not to not to go in on a whole entomophagy thing, but technically you can make a pretty great lasagna with cicadas in it, right? I mean, <laughs> as far as you do, the supplement, the, protein, the protein, bro.
2: McGee, rescue this, please. McGee. Oh,
5: I'm
3: just, I don't know. Do you buy them from Trader Joe? Like, how do you even, I can't. Um, no, I, 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 I think let's all, I'm, I'm going to make you a nice lasagna, Neil. We're going to like, we're going to make this happen.
2: It. All right. No, here's what I'll do. <laughs> Jessica, I will promise you that I will eat at least one, at most, three cicadas um, if I prepare it in a pan with some oil sort of pan fried. I will do that for you.
5: Photos or it didn't happen. The or yes, it didn't happen. I would, <laughs> I would say take the wings off because the wings are not the most Part to eat, Nagin. She even knows she... this
2: about it. You
5: know. <laughs> well, she removes,
3: the, she removes the wings so she can make earrings. You know? <laughs> We've already exactly. established that you don't eat them, you make I'm them into jewelry. <laughs> oh, I,
4: I will do I will do us. that
2: for you, okay? As Thank my you. as my cherished colleague, I will do that for you and I will give her a full report. And you're right, Nageen, it's got to be uh, TikTok or nothing. You know.
3: and TikTok or nothing, and I just for want to science. say, Neil, I will, for, for I science. will, um, I, 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 will join in this challenge by supporting you and watching the TikTok. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is so sweet of you, no, Nick. Thank you. That's I'm
3: here for the show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, let's get another, get some more um, questions there.
3: Well, Philip DeWint asks, why is it a 17-year cycle and not a 15-year cycle or a 20-year cycle? God, I have the same question.
2: Why and plus 13 and 17 number? are both prime numbers mathematically. Is there anything to that?
5: Yeah, I think that they do uh, think that the 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 fact that it's a prime number is significant. And they do think that the 13 years actually were originally 17 years, but then started coming out early. And we tend to see 13-year uh, Emergences more com- like the broods that are thirteen years are more common in southern states than they are in northern states. Why seventeen? Why fifteen? Why nineteen? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, Chris Simon, like I said, the Green Gene Kritsky. There are a few people that have like focused their whole life on trying to figure out why these things are periodical, but I don't know if they know the answer of why seventeen and not fifteen, and why seventeen and not nineteen. And to
2: follow up an earlier question, just to flesh it out a little more. If we agree, and it's expected, that climate change, if the planet gets warmed, might have the cicadas emerge from the ground sooner in the season because the ground is warmer earlier. But do you foresee climate change affecting their cycle?
5: Well, I think we've already seen a little taste of it, or what some scientists think that maybe it was a little taste of it, because some of Brute 10 actually emerged early. Um, Not a lot of them, but some of them emerged early. I think it was 2018, um, so, and they thought that perhaps that could have been influenced by climate change, you know, that could have changed the kind of developmental cycles. Like I said, it goes through, they go through these, these molts to instars and it's kind of uh, controlled uh, with these kind of biochemical cascades. Um, and then they emerged early. You lose the benefit of that satiation strategy if it's a few scragglers uh, that are emerging rather than millions and millions of individuals. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. That's what that looks like. Mm-hmm. again, give me one more question before we end this segment.
3: Okay, Eric Linneman asks: Are there any other types of bugs besides cicadas that hibernate for such long periods of time? And how is the hibernation useful? Why do they hibernate in the first place?
2: At all? And we don't have time to answer that. See what I did there? We got to come back
3: <laughs>
4: after the break.
2: <laughs> and when we come back, we'll find out. Is this? And are we allowed to even call it hibernation? Um, uh, why? You know, why is that useful at all? to anybody and i want to know the answer to that too when we return start talk cosmic queries
1: ebay motors is here for the ride you saw the potential eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only exclusions apply.
0: Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done the new F 150.
4: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Hey, it's time to give a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons. Kaz Barnes, Philip Dwent, and M. Tristan Moody. Hey guys, thank you for your support. Without you, we couldn't make this show what it is. And for anybody else listening who would like their name mentioned on a Patreon shout out, please go to patreon.com Star Talk Radio and support us.
2: We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Third, the Cicada Edition. <laughs> just before the cicada invasion, I've got Nagin Farsad, my co host. Nagin, you're, you're on social media as just your name, Nagin Farsad. Nagin
3: Farsad. N-E-G-I-N?
2: K-F-A-R-S-A-D. That's
3: right. And can I log roll really quick that I'm also in the new adult swim show Bird Girl on the Cartoon Network. So check that out on Sunday nights.
2: Whoa. You mean your voices?
3: Yes, my voice, my voice, yes, okay. my, my, my uh, face is a green mind taker. So I was but wondering, yeah, were
2: was you tuned a... or is it just a voice for something else that doesn't look like you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, look for that. Very good. Very good. And Jessica, what cartoon are you in? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like
5: there's not like a huge demand for insect cartoons, although there should be.
2: There should be for sure, because it's a lot of fertile material down there. Um, so Jessica, what are your uh, social media handles?
5: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Jessica L. Ware Lab uh, or on Instagram. You you appended the
2: the word lab after where? Jessica Ware Lab?
5: Yeah, Jessica L. Ware Lab. And it's because there's this amazing singer whose name is also Jessica Ware. Uh, So if you Google Jessica Ware, you'll get this British singer who sings soulful ballads. And you won't get your cicada content that you want or your dragonfly content. You want that dragonfly content. Then it's Jessica <gasps> gotta get the insect lab. content,
2: okay? And on <laughs> Instagram, it's it's what
5: Jessica Lee Wear forty two.
2: Lee I L E E. Good. All right. Excellent. Uh, so before we get back to the questions, uh, uh, Jessica, how many cicadas can we expect?
5: It's going to be millions. About you know one and a half million uh, cicadas per acre. Uh, per so acre? A- well, no, 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 no. Did you just <laughs> what? What? No. It's a good number. It's, no, there'll be enough. There'll be per enough per acre. Yeah, so this is the deal. There's millions and millions of them. Um, and uh, in the places where they're going to be emerging, you should expect that you could take a shovel and be able to shovel some of them up.
2: I won't be able to walk down the street without smashing hundreds of them not on purpose.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not in Manhattan, but certainly if you were to go to <laughs> some of the places where they're going to be out, yeah, you're going to see them.
2: And And they fly. Does that mean they'll get in your, I mean... How, how much do they fly versus how much are they walking around on the ground?
5: Well, they're—I mean, again, their goals are just to mate, to find a mate. Um, so they're going to be—you mostly will hear them. Stop the defending
2: them this way. stop giving them. Ev- no, no I'm tired of hearing you say they're just trying to mate. Just, just get straight to the answer here.
5: <laughs> but you'll see them maybe on the bark of trees. You'll see them, and you'll hear them in the canopy. But you're not going to really see them flying around. Um, it's not like they'll be. Uh, you know, clouds of them or anything like that. They'll mostly be in and amongst the canopy. Sometimes okay. you'll see them on the grass of them. If you're walking through a dewy meadow, you might see some uh, in the grass, but it'll mostly be All on right. the barks of trees and in trees.
3: And the, and the yeah, ones that have- are in Manhattan, are they dressed better? Are they strivers? <laughs> are they real type A cicadas?
5: <laughs> they do. They go from, they They really like to go up and down looking for sushi restaurants and just uh, walking. <laughs> I knew it. Walking <laughs> Yeah. It's, the, it's the other diet. It's the they no, right. juvenile and then sushi as an
2: adult. All right, excellent. Let's get back to our questions. Nagin, you're, you're the keeper of the questions there. Bring them on.
5: Well, before
3: we left, we asked um, from Eric Linneman, are there any other types of bugs besides cicadas that hibernate for such a long period of time? How is this hibernation useful and why do they
5: hibernate in the first place? I love
2: it. Yeah, Jessica.
5: Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, but I would say that what cicadas are doing is probably not hibernation, right? Because in underground, we're not watching them, right? They're underground, but they're actually, you know, um, not in a hibernation state. Uh, they're not in torpor. They're they're basically drinking, pooping, moving, molting. You know that for that whole seventeen period. Um, but uh, there are other insects, certainly, that have long... Gener- this, it's kind of like their generation time is, is kind of long, is what we would say. And there are other insects that have long generation time. Uh, not that I planted that question just to start talking about dragonflies again, but dragonflies <laughs> have juvenile stages that are in freshwater. And some of them are in freshwater for, you know, five years before emerging as an adult, mm. um, and which is a pretty good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, termites, you know, there are some termite queens that can live for 10, 12, 13 uh, years. Um, again, they're not hibernating. They just have these long kind of um, lifespans. So dragonflies and damselflies uh, can also be frozen in solid ice, which is pretty remarkable. You're calling it
3: hibernation, but in the pandemic era, I would just call that self-quarantining for 17 <laughs> years.
2: <Exactly. laughs> That's what they're doing down there. Wait, wait. So, so Jessica, I, I have a philosophical question and maybe I think it's deeper than it actually is. So let me just quickly ask you: How long does the cicada live after it emerges from the ground?
5: Uh, four to six weeks.
2: Okay, so its life cycle is seventeen years plus four to six weeks, which means it's not hibernating, waiting to do something else in its life. That is its life. Yeah,
5: that is deep. That's deep. I mean, <laughs> what is
2: life, right? What is what life? is life, right? That is its life, it's sucking on plant roots and peeing and pooping, that is its life. And then its death throw is sunlight. And people screaming as they run away from them except for Jessica, who wants to make jewelry out of them, and then they
5: die. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, much like... So say it's the same is true for these dragonflies that are five years in fresh water. They come out, it's one hot summer. You know, that's what these cicadas have. They've got this really short window to find a mate, Mm. uh, Mm. get that Job done of passing on their jeans. But that's mm-hmm. like a that's like a bookend or a footnote, even though it's right, right. Just a know, footnote to the whole life that they're leading. Man. Yeah. Even though that's probably the most important part they do.
3: You really have to love the process if you're a cicada. You can't be destination oriented. Because <laughs> yes, it's desti- It's a marathon. <laughs> you get there not a and then you're gone. A marathon, you not really, a yeah. You really have to love, love the Love the journey.
2: All right. Keep coming again. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. We have um from Bobby Reagan, we have a question that kind of merges um, your, both of your interests. Uh, he asked, can anything like their hibernation be recreated on a human scale
5: for deep space travel?
2: Wow. Whoa.
5: Well, again, they're not hibernating. Yeah. So could we go into deep space and drink syrupy, sure- sugary drinks and just poop constantly? Yeah, we could do that. I mean, I could do that. I don't think that would be hard to do. We would have to change nothing. I would have to change almost nothing about my day-to-day life. I would just be doing it in space. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I think uh, the,
2: wait, wait, Jessica. I think the, a, very, a way to do this, I think the way to do this is you prolong the time we are infants in a long space journey. Because why waste time in space as an adult when you want to have the fully developed adult brain for when you land and you want to investigate. So the so the infant would be just pooping and sucking, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you so increase that period of time in the human developmental cycle to be 17, 20 years. And then you just put them in there and they just poop and pee and that's it. And then towards the end, you bring them out and then they grow into adults. How about that?
3: Wow, Neil. Basically, yeah. you're saying that my baby has been prepping for space travel this <laughs> whole time, out. and I had no idea. I've got wow. this figured out.
2: How old? How old is your baby again?
3: She's two, so she's more of a toddler. Yeah, not toddler.
2: Days. Yeah, yeah. No more diapers. Right. Yeah, right. I'll, okay.
1: Yeah.
3: She's she's a uh, she's pooping in a potty, and if it was liquid and sugary, I mean, I'd be getting in there. It's just, it isn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, I made myself
2: what a grow life. with that. Yeah, yeah, Nagin, I need you on the rails, not off the rails with Jessica, okay? <laughs> Please stay with me here.
5: <laughs> you start talking about insect poop, it just goes, it, you accelerate towards it. This is the mental state we're in now. It's all poop yeah. talk
2: for the rest of this. I know, okay. Well, I read totally. that book, you know, to our kids, every every Everybody Poops. I think is it was originally an Italian kid story. Everybody Poops. It just shows all the animals everybody pooping. And so the, the yeah. your kids will learn that it's a very natural thing for all things that are alive. So
5: uh, anyhow, it does anyhow. make sense that liquid feeders would have liquid, you know, very liquidy poop like Hemipra, mm-hmm. which are suckers. That's what they have.
2: Yeah, it is. All right. All right, Nagin, keep it coming. Yeah.
3: Here we go. Matthew Ritter asks, cicadas are known for being very loud to us humans. How good is a cicada's sense of hearing? Are they deafening to each other and drown
5: out all the sources of auditory information (laughs) in their own environment? I like that. Yes. That's a good question. I mean, so you would expect that selection should act on females to be able to hear the calls of males. Or vice versa. Just as yeah, just just as males have been selected to make the calls long and loud, so the 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 so different species of cicadas are out at any given time, right? And so um, the calls that males make are actually species specific songs.
2: Well, so only the males make the calls. The females don't make the calls.
5: The males are making the calls. The females kind of uh, kind of move their wings around a little bit to attract mates, but the, it's the call that's really the the, the mating. Okay, now I have to know. Um, just
2: I got to butt in here. Okay, so when I eat my three cicadas. Should I eat the ones that are making noise or the ones that aren't? Just which ones taste better? There, <laughs> surely you know the answer to that question.
5: Well, I mean, so the males that call the longest and the loudest um, are the ones that are going to get the most mates. So maybe you want maybe is that like a prime rib, like a like a like a grade A? Uh, oh, is there, are the males that we calling the loudest? But and the then loudest? I would be more
2: destructive people- to the to the to the to the genus, the species, if I ate the most successful. So I should eat the unsuccessful ones. Yeah, I don't want to eat a You could
5: wait till they've made it, and then as soon as that's done, and the female goes off to do her job of laying those eggs, you get that male. You eat it. That could be your solution. Got it. The males are making these long calls. The females are 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 listening for the loudest and longest calls. And they tend to call in the hottest times of the day, which can be kind of energetically expensive. Uh, so this is, these are all cues. These are all signals that females can use, um, you know, to, to choose a mate that is going to be uh, uh, able to make it so that her her sons would have the same traits. So they would be likely to be to selected too. That's called the sexy sons hypothesis. Uh, but then also, you know, it's just... <laughs> You know, she wants to get as many of her genes into the next generation as possible. Um, you know, that's the selection. That's how selection is is acting.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn. Okay, Nigine, we're running short on time. Let's let's see if we can get a light a quick lightning round in here. Jessica, one okay. sentence answers. I'm All ready. Right, Nagin,
5: go.
3: Um, uh, my daughter Trinity asks if the cicadas'
5: cycle have been impacted by human settlement. Ooh. Uh, so we build over their habitat constantly.
2: If you happen to be under the house that got built, you ain't never coming out.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if they cut down the tree which is your food source, right? If you're got it. Sucking, That's the answer.
2: Yeah. yeah all right. And you died uh, in 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 while you're developing. That that would be sad. Yeah, right, what Nick, a way you to got go. me you got me empathizing with them now, Jessica. What's <laughs> why I, I, so I don't want to empathize with these ugly bugs, okay? <laughs> All right, with these beady eyes like on each corner. Okay, making it go.
3: Well, uh, Stefan Somers um, wants just a specific recipe. You mentioned uh, sauteing them in oil. Are you adding any herbs in there? I might What's going little, on? Uh,
2: I might add a little salt, yes. I have had exotic foods prepared for me in the past. I've had uh, fried tarantula, um, and nice. it tasted oh, like gosh. crab. I, I, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Um, and I've had, um, what else? I had uh, beetles as well. They were sautéed. No, 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 sorry, they weren't beetles. They were uh, crickets, uh, sautéed crickets, and they were sort of crunchy and made like a little snack, you know, like crunchy snacks, as we like here in America. So I'm gonna try to turn it into a crunchy snack. Okay, keep it going, next one. (laughs)
3: We got a very interesting question from Nathan Kane, who says, would a flamethrower be a sufficient way to eliminate the cicadas if yes. one in every five humans on the East Coast has one?
2: Yes. Yes.
3: <laughs> you're a fan of destroying say... cicadas
5: with flamethrowers, right? <laughs> I'd say that you take 10 minutes in the timeout chair and really reevaluate your life because if you got a, a flamethrower and you're pointing at any of those cicadas, then... Neil's going to give me your number, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to uh, feed with you to make some jewelry instead. <laughs> yeah, you could kill them with fire. But
2: why would you?
4: Why
5: would, why you? would
2: you? Yeah, you, Or maybe, no, no, here here it is. Well, I'm just going to cook them so that I can eat them. See, there you go. There it is. <laughs> and I, we actually have to call it quits there, but I want to add, Jessica, there was a movie where insects were a very important part of one of the characters, and it was in Men in Black. There was one this guy who was just this pile of insects. And Edgar. Oh, do you know his name? I've forgotten his <laughs> uh,
5: Edgar was wearing an Edgar suit,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar, excuse me. I wasn't on a first-name basis with this character, this alien character. Uh, so, yeah, so insects plus uh, the movie Them, with the, back from the 60s or 50s with the big ants. Uh, insects have made their rounds in pop culture, so... I think you're in a good place for us to reach for you again uh, when we want to get to the bottom of what insects are up to. So, Jessica, it's been a delight to have you on. It's the first time we've had a sustained conversation. You being new to the museum, I hope to see uh, more of you there. We can um, chill out and get you on more uh, on more Star Talk episodes. Uh, and, and Nagin, always good to have you.
3: So great to be here, Neil. And
2: I'm waiting for my next invitation on your podcast, <laughs> on which I've only been invited once. Okay, I, I've been on the Daily Show. 14 times. <laughs> so, okay. So, well, just-
3: Neil, they have different standards. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: All,
2: right. All right, guys, we're going to call it quits there. Thanks for making this work. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries. The Cicadas are coming edition. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, bidding you to keep looking up.